The Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, built for the trail. White Rock Performance Gear, built tough, priced right, ready when you are. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Antler Archives. Craig and I are here today for episode 6. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Boat and Sportsman show that we were just at and uh, talk about our spring plans. So, yeah. How was, the, how was a little bit of the show that you got to enjoy there, Craig? It was good, man. It was, uh, it was a really good turnout. I haven't been to one in a couple of years, obviously, because of uh, COVID kind of ruined that for almost everybody. But compared to years in the past, I've never seen so many people there. So it was really good. Like it was, it was jam packed. And if anybody that listens to this podcast got to experience that, I'm sure they would have similar things to say. Yeah, it was crazy. That was the first time that I've been to a show like that. And uh, I was blown away. I was working the Wapiti River and uh, Monster Traction booth with Travis. Michael and uh, Brian, and it was nonstop. Well, I, I came by your guys' booth for all of 10 minutes because that's really all you guys had time to spare for to to shoot the shit. And I, I watched you guys kind of from a distance for a little bit, and you guys were nonstop. It was crazy. Like, from the minute the doors open on Thursday – Every day until closing, it was nonstop. You'd get maybe five minutes to grab a drink and relax a little bit, and that was it. The best times for us at the booth were honestly when Travis was doing his half-an-hour seminar. That's really? Because, yeah, he'd have probably close to 100 people crammed in that little corner. Everybody was just loving the seminars. So we'd get a little bit of a break at the booth, but uh, as soon as he'd come back, it was nonstop. That whole aisle was just filled with people all the way for a solid couple hours until we finally started working our way through everybody to talk about elk hunting, help them out with learning how to call or just calling tactics in general and selling reads and all that good stuff. So with that, with that being your first big show you've been to, what would you compare, uh, like a new elk hunter or a new caller, to experienced or novice people that are coming to buy calls? So how would I, how would I compare that to like try and help them? Yeah, like how how many new people do you get versus how many old guys do you get coming in and? checking out the stuff and wanting to pick up the the sport or, or, you know, like a new read just off of listening to Travis's seminars. Oh, lots. There's lots of guys that, and women and kids <laughs> that were new that would just hear it yeah. and come over and watch the seminar that, and they hunted as well. And maybe they did more of a spot and stock tactic or just weren't 100% into elk hunting, but they always wanted to go. 
and then they'd hear the seminar and then come back to the booth and we'd talk to them and we don't push it like oh here you have to buy one but yeah we just talk to them and have a good time and make them feel welcome welcomed at the booth and then next thing you know they're planning their hunting trip for that upcoming season right then and there and yeah it, have... it's uh i i like the sounds of elk in general in the first place so i hear a call and i heard you guys three rooms over in that hall uh, and i was like i need to go find these guys before it gets too crowded uh, and every I time my... we would let a bugle go there'd be about 15 20 people show up oh for sure and that's that's kind of the perk to having one of the noisy booths is because you get more uh, pedestrian traffic for that too, right? Like I used to run lots of waterfowl booths and as soon as you got a bunch of guys hammering on goose and duck calls, more people show up. And that was, that was the trigger for me. I was like, I need to get over there. I need to get my hands on some stuff. I need to see (laughs) the guys. And it was almost like people were pushing the people at the booth out of the way so they could get in there and get their stuff. And then they were being pushed out and it was, it looked like a steady constant, get out of my way. I need stuff. Oh, it was crazy. So it it helped a lot with the way we set the reeds up on the table. We set them up with our lighter cow reeds in one spot and then have all our midsection reeds and our heavier reeds in different spots. So yeah. you could you could literally ask a guy right away, what's your calling experience? Well, I'm a new caller. Okay, well, this is where you want to look here. And then this area, don't mind this area because you're obviously not ready for that yet, being yeah. a new caller. But if you're interested, here they are as well. And then you get guys that are like, well, I've been calling for 20 years or so. This is my style. Okay, well. This is what this is the area that's going to help you mostly. And then if you want as well, these ones do everything as well. Just they're a little bit heavier. And so you'd end up talking to like five or six different guys at the same time. Saying that like they'd all have the same question. So you'd be explaining all the same stuff to all these guys. The next thing you know, you have five or six guys with handfuls of reeds and everything. And yeah. They work good that way because you could get a good clump of them in and moving all at the same time. So there's all your all your calls, all your reads now have new packaging and they're pretty special, important packaging. And I wanted to talk to you about this a couple of weeks ago, but a couple of weeks turned into a month, turned into a month and a half, and we're finally back in recording another episode. So <laughs> what what is special about this new packaging that you can probably explain a lot better than I can? So we have our, uh, the newest ones we have, we have our hero series packaging. I'm assuming that's the one you're talking about. That's that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So last year we did a read description contest, just something on everybody's looking for a new read or whatever something to catch the consumer's eyes. Yeah. So we did a read contest more to see what everybody's different 
calling styles are like to try and help us design a read. read. So we got this one gentleman. He sent me an email and it was a very heartfelt email about his daughter that ended up taking her life for mental health. Sure. And uh, Travis actually ended up knowing the family. So oh, we decided, okay. We decided right then and there that we were going to do a totally separate read in her honor. And to try and help people more mental health and suicide awareness. Yep. So we decided we would do that read and every dollar from that read that was purchased would go or every dollar from a purchase for that read would go to a charity for mental health or suicide awareness. Cool. And how did you guys make out over specifically the Edmonton Boat and Sportsman Show? Because that's what we're talking about. How did you guys make out with that specific uh, charity contribution? Because the reason I'm asking, the reason this caught my eye in the first place was after 17 years in the fire department, the suicide awareness for me is super massive and there's not a ton of people out there that are doing something like that so if if we can get the word out a little bit more that would be awesome definitely and that's the whole reasoning behind it so we did pretty good with those their numbers exact but uh i'll just kind of explain the background before every through everything how we got into that too so people understand how we got into it so there's heroes project right yeah they go out to help uh corrections officers police officers 911 uh can't think of the words 911 dispatchers this yes dispatchers ems firefighters search and rescue military all those different areas that serve everybody and suffer from PTSD and the suicide awareness and everything. They Mm. reached out. They actually reached out to us after we released that heart read and they thought it was really cool what we were doing. And they asked us, would you be interested in doing a series of seven different reads to help spread awareness for this? And every dollar from a read purchase goes to help fight PTSD and suicide awareness. So we thought that was pretty cool. We worked on that all last fall, testing different reads. Because, I mean, you got seven reads to design, right? That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. So we wanted everything done so that when it was show showtime, we had everything on display. Right. So we went all last hunting season designing those, plus a couple extras that we were bringing out anyways. <clears throat> and uh, all winter playing around with different combinations finally found what we liked and what worked then got them all built and at the show was the first time that they were actually available to public to actually see and they were a huge hit as soon as we would start explaining them People'd be people'd have five reads in their hand that they wanted to buy already, and they'd yeah. buy two or three more 
of the Hero series just to help support that. Good. And it was it was amazing. Like just you'd explain it to people and you just see their eyes light up and you get so many people that say thank you for all the help and everything and you get people like yourself who were part of firefighters or police officers that have seen this stuff firsthand and we'd have guys come up and buy one of each. They don't even out or anything, but they'd buy one of each just to help support. You know, I've, I've done that in the past before. If I see a good cause, I, I, I got stuff sitting in my gun locker that I've never touched since I bought it. But there's, there was a reason behind the purchase in the first place. And it was usually because of something like that. Exactly. And we're not doing it for that purpose. We're doing it to help. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's something that we both, Travis and I, we don't take lightly. Like we like helping out any way we can. So when they reached out to us to do this project, we were like, "Yeah, definitely." So is that is that something that, and I don't want to give away any of your guys' secrets if if I don't have to, but is that something that you guys are going to? pursue expand on uh redesign or are you going to keep it consistent and uh like an annual thing or are you going to change it up every year so for those reads there they're probably just going to stay the same okay unless they want unless the heroes project wants to add another category in there yeah but those ones they're going to stay the same all our reads pretty well stay when we when we design a read and we decide, yeah, that's what it is, it stays that read. The Lone Bull, I'll just use that for an example because that was a part, one of the reads I was a part of from start to finish. That was the first one. Yeah. And once Travis and I decided, yes, this is the read we're naming the Lone Bull, it's been the same read for since 2020. We haven't changed the design. We come out with new reads every year. In the hunting season, we test one or two different reads every year just for something new to come out in springtime for the shows. And that'll be something completely new that we don't have. How many reads are you at right now? Oh, a lot. (laughs) It's over over a dozen. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, We're probably close to 15 different reads. Is that right? Or more. No, we're well, over. that that's going to be a conversation we have in another episode where we talk about why a guy needs so many reads in his pocket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it all goes on style. Right. And preference, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we're going to need to bring Travis in to, to talk about reads, too, and maybe have a calling episode here at some point in the future because maybe you can teach me a thing or two about calling elk yeah we definitely will that'll be a good one too because you're a brand new caller and we'll plan one where you and i can sit down and do an episode on showing a brand new (laughs) caller learning and how how well it works yeah well I, i got the cow chirp down so that's a start but I mean, I can I can I can do that whistling, even if I didn't have a read. So this is going to be a new adventure for me as well. So it's fun. It's addicting. 
Yeah. So what are your plans for the spring here? Oh, well. What's on the go? By the time this one airs, I'll have just been getting back from Yorkton at the Parkland Outdoor Expo. Yeah. So after that, I am going to be doing a little bit of scouting and bear hunting while I can. And then it's we're planning our seminars as well. But uh, my main goal for this spring is to get a backpack black bear, hopefully with my bow. And at the same time, because a lot of the places where I like to backpack bear hunt are the same places that I actually elk hunt. So I'll be doing the bear hunt and elk scouting at all at the same time. And some shed hunting. Oh, yeah, definitely. I get my moose draw this year, too, so I might have to cram in some good moose shed hunting days. That's a uh, a jam-packed spring there, my friend. Oh, I, I'm not going to have all the time. I'll probably, honestly, end up bear hunting and scouting for elk, and that's it. <laughs> to be honest, that's probably all I'll get to do. That's what you're going to tell your wife anyway. Yep. Good exactly. deal. So, are are you? Um, I I know where you elk hunt, but is um, is all the spots you bear hunt or are well where you're going this year? Is it all going to be spot and stock hiking or drive or bait or what's your what's your thought process? So most of it all is going to be. I'm going to have to quad into the main area and then it's hiking. Yep. Uh. Usually, we do, Brian and I do two baits every year out by his house, but with the price of gas, and he's going to school this spring, we're not going to do the baits this year. It's just, it's too much time for two of us. I have to drive three and a half hours to go bait. He's too busy with school. That's like a whole paycheck driving three and a half hours. Oh, it is. It's... Especially at a dollar eighty nine. Is that so, what you guys are at right now? Actually, we dropped. We just dropped the other day. We're at a dollar seventy nine. Holy! Yeah, we did. We were at a dollar eighty seven when everything spiked up, like a week ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was. Gross. That's disgusting. See, 80, I'm I'm sitting down here and we're. Eighty dollars for like a quarter of a tank. Yeah, I I put fifty bucks in thinking I was going to be able to go somewhere far, but I managed to get to work, and that was a quarter tank. So, I mean, it's almost not even worth going to work. It'd be better off just scouting. <laughs> no doubt, stay home. Yeah, I can do that from my kitchen sink now. So yeah, so you uh, you moved to a new area. And yeah, seeing quite a few deer, hey? I uh, haven't seen so many whitetail in my entire existence. Um, I was I was going out there where I'm not going to tell anybody where I moved to, but um, going out there this morning to work on the house, there was at least 75 deer in one field. And last night on the way home, my wife saw probably over 200. And I heard an elk sitting around the 30 mark. I think there was about 50 there a week and a half ago. So, yeah, I can 
I can sit in my kitchen window and I was working on the kitchen today and there was 15 deer feeding in the field from sunup to sundown. So man, that is crazy. I've man, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. And I, I don't know if there is going whitetail hunting. Oh yeah, you're more than welcome. I don't I don't know if there is just no hunting pressure there or if there is, which apparently there is, I'm wondering if it's just there uh now you see me, now you don't kind of thing. But I walked uh, an entire quarter section today. I gridlocked it and I didn't find a single shed in it. And there was 60 deer in it last week. So I don't know if somebody's come in and scooped sheds, but there's there's no tire tracks. There's nothing in there, and the snow's almost gone too. So I'm not almost, entirely sure. I almost wonder if they were almost in a different quarter or something early when they were shedding, and then they've just happened to move over, move over to that quarter now. There, that's a good chance. I got. Uh, I'll upload a picture here uh, when we air this episode of what I was looking at this morning, and what I'm looking at is where I want to go take a peek because they've been in there since uh, since we bought the place in January. So, yeah, you showed me that picture today, and I couldn't believe. Yeah. I thought it was a herd of elk when I first seen it. Then I zoomed in. I'm like, holy crap, that's deer. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen I've never seen that many deer in a field before. No, and that was just in one spot. Yeah. So there is I think that picture I sent you, there might be 25 or 30 in. And uh I drove further down and you can't see through the trees very well, so I didn't take a picture, but the bottom of the bowl of the hill they're standing on is just like the streets of Chinatown. Just filled with deer, man. It was mind blowing, and they don't—they don't care about you, right now. Not at all, man. I went—I went for a two-hour hike with my two and a half-year-old daughter, who is just chat, 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 chat. <laughs> and the deer were like 50, 60 yards away from us, and they—they they kept tabs on us, obviously, but they weren't worried at all. You know why they weren't worried? Because I didn't have a gun in my hand. No, because she probably had her pet skunk with her, and she's she's harmless. Skunk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I I found some moose tracks, and I said, "Oh, I wonder where the moose tracks are, or where the moose is." And she said, "Oh, probably dead." So <laughs> she's obviously obviously got my mentality when it comes to animals. So it's if it's not here, it's got to be dead, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Yeah, oh, no, awesome. scouting scouting's going to be a little bit easier because I can now found my first elk herd outside of a national park that I can see on my way to and from work. And the deer are insane. And apparently there's tons and tons and tons of big, big bulls, moose out there too. So Sounds like you moved into the right spot. Apparently. I just wish back to the whole gas price thing. That, now, did, uh, you, uh, did you plan this move around the wildlife or did you just happen you fluked out like that it fluked out it was uh you know the right house in the right spot for the right price and 
after talking to the guy selling it, he said, oh yeah, by the way, I got X amount of land out here that uh, you can have access to. And that was kind of, uh, I don't want to say it was a selling point, but it was a perk. Oh, definitely. That would be, uh, that would be one of the ones where it's like, okay, yeah, now I definitely want this. I, I wanted it before, but now I really, really want it. Yeah, as soon as I looked at iHunter and, and pulled up the, the map and the coordinates of, of the land and all his his land around it, I was sold. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Oh, man. Hopefully, it's, hopefully I can get up there for a few days this November, but... Well, there'll there'll be a stand with your name on it. It might it might be like our elk hunt. It might be postponed a year, or so that's okay. It'll all but depend. It'll all depend on the gas prices. Oh man, tell me about <laughs> it. I, I mean, I can send you a horse and have you ride it back down. Probably be cheaper, but probably I probably probably uh, would feel a little bit better after that long ride on a horse and filling up my truck for that much. <laughs> it's a different kind of pain. Yes, I had to kind of think of how to put that word that properly. Yeah, politically correct. No, I don't <laughs> think there's a point. Everybody knows. No. No. So what uh what else is your spring plan? I know you're talking about doing the uh seminars and stuff. When do those start? Uh so we're putting our schedule together. We'll really be sitting down putting it together fully after well it would be now i guess when this airs but uh we're hoping for june july have pretty much june july be full of full of seminars where are you doing them uh there'll be some in edmonton there should be a couple in edmonton a couple in Grand Prairie. I believe we are going to Prince George. I am not 100% sure on that one yet. We might be going to High Prairie. Uh, we are probably going down to Wainwright to Devin's store. Oh, okay. Big Dogs. Yeah. And there might be a couple more. I'm not 100% sure. Travis has the whole list on that. He's just been kind of keeping a list of everything, and then we're going to go through it and look at my days off because Travis is doing this full time now. So, oh, is he? Wow. Yeah, he decided this year that he's going to put go full time into Wapiti and be one hundred percent committed. So, wow, that's a that is a step in a big direction. Yes. So that's why that's a big part of why we're ramping it up so much. You're going to owe your wife a trip to Mexico or something here after this year. Well, we're going on a horseback trip for anniversary this year, actually. Where are you going? Uh, just into Wilmore Park in the Hayden Ridge for a night. It's uh, Honestly, it's the first time since we've been married that uh, we actually get to go do something for our anniversary. <laughs> How long ago was that now? Five years? <laughs> 2014. Oh, Jesus. I believe. You don't even know. Uh, I, I know the date. Yeah, okay. The, the year always screws me up. But yeah, pretty much this season, I'm, I want to get out shed hunting. I got a new area for elk. 
And I want to shed hunt the crap out of it. And my goal this year for sheds, I'm going to try to get 25. 25 sheds in general or 25 elk sheds? 25 sheds in general. How many you at so far? Zero. (laughs) Because you got too much snow. You can't go anywhere up there yet. Oh, it's knee deep still. It's crazy. I can't even get anywhere. That's crazy. It, what yeah. you t- you texted me yesterday saying you got five inches, and I said it. Ju- we just got a skiff, and no lie, after I finished talking to you, it continued to snow for the entire day, and we probably got another four inches, I'd say, and it's March twenty eighth, twenty ninth today. It was the same thing happened here. Like it snowed all day. It literally. Larissa called me when she was on her way to work yesterday when I was at work and I was at five o'clock in the evening and she said it was a whiteout in town. And then as I was coming into town, you could see the mountains where the clouds were and you could see the blue sky breaking out. Yeah. So it was just clearing up when I got into town and she said it snowed all day. That's insane. That's a ton of snow. It's ridiculous. And, and I still got a foot and a half in my front yard. Gross. We got probably, about the same. Probably. Like it it was ten degrees today, so it melted all that snow from yesterday melted today. But they're calling for more snow again later this week, if I remember reading that whatever the weather network right. Oh man, I should have took a picture of this. Uh <clears throat> road berms out at work they're probably over my head really yeah it's crazy so what do you think that's gonna do for your ungulate population Um, do you guys expect a big winter kill where i usually go and where i know the elk winter no because lots of the south-facing hills that they stay on yeah. all get windblown so bad that they relatively stay bare. Oh, really? Or very minimal snow. And it's nothing to drive by the hills or get on the back roads and find the hills and see 30, 40 elk spread out throughout like the whole mountain on the hills. But yeah. You could you see where they where they are all winter, and then as soon as the snow, as soon as the snow leaves, they all disappear really. Yeah, and go back. That's what makes it so hard for shed hunting around here, because you see where they are all winter. But I mean, elk are just just starting the shed. Like Mark White sent me a picture this morning of a nice six point shed that he found, and it was fresh today. Oh, really? And they have no snow down there at all. Wow. So. I don't I don't know what it's like to not have snow in March. Well, I do. I mean, this is a really weird winter, and it, we never have this much snow this late, but. I can't remember what it's like. <laughs> I, yeah, usually I'm seeing grass by now, but I usually, mean. Usually, yeah. In, in the fields and farmland, yes, but 
Mind you, last year we had majority of all our snow gone by this time because I remember going out and setting bear baits. What was it? March, right around the March twenty fifth. Yeah, because you're allowed to set them out two weeks prior prior to the season opener. Okay. And when I drove up to Brian's house, it was blue sky and no snow. We really? loaded everything up that night, and we're getting ready to go out in the morning. And we woke up to like six or seven inches of snow. Wow. And it was well, like, what the heck? I was looking at a Facebook memory popped up on my on my phone here on Friday or a Saturday. And uh, I was building a chicken coop on Friday last year, and the grass was green. And now... There is a foot of snow around my chicken coop. Oh, nice. So I don't know if I'd call it nice. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's much any other way to put it. Just a nice, sarcastic, nice. It's shitty, Dylan. It's shitty. <laughs> oh, come on. I don't have to deal with the chicken, so I don't know what it's like. <laughs> The chicken's not so bad. It's the snow. Yeah. Between between that and angry horses that are busting fences down left, right, and center. Hey, the horses should be happy now. At least they don't have to deal with minus forty weather for days and days on end. No, they're just stuck in soup. True. It's one extreme to the other. At least there's no mosquitoes yet. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> or. Shut or- Freezing wasps. cold, it's really wet, or mosquitoes, or wasps, and no word of a lie, uh, it was uh, whatever day that was last week, when it was plus 20 here, Wednesday last week, oh, yeah. there, there were wasps flying all over the place. Are I couldn't believe friend? it. Well, yeah, I know, I'm part of, I'm, I'm one of them now, after last year. Yeah, you have enough stickers, I need to make you one of them. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how I'm not allergic to those cocksuckers after last year. <laughs> oh, I remember you sent me pictures. Your face just swollen up with fucking, with wasp things. Well, Your 30, 37 times on, in, in one shot. And you know, when it, when it comes down to it, I was still watching wasps land and fly around me when I was sitting in a tree stand in September. Knock on wood, I haven't got stung by a wasp or a bee since I was a little kid. I am going to make that my goal this year is to get you stung by something just to make you retract that statement. Remember those hunting plans we had? Oh yeah, okay. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, remember that big bull that you wanted to shoot? Ah, uh, well, hey, I can say the same thing for whitetail here. So, true. I'll just have to suffer in the mountains here and <laughs> go weeks without seeing anything. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the farmland where it's nice and easy, flat crops, and that's the worst out here for whitetail. Like, I love whitetail hunting now, but it's so hard. Like, it's hard to convince yourself day after day to keep going and push through when you don't see anything you see them all on your cameras 
but you sit in your tree stand or a ground blind and you might see a handful of deer in a week. Well, that also plays into the type of terrain you're in as well. Oh, it's, yeah. It's tough too, though, because like last year I was moving to all new areas. So now I have a decent-ish idea of where to set up. Last year, I was just kind of winging it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it'll be interesting. I'm definitely looking forward to that. To getting out there and setting up cameras, because I, I, if I remember right, you guys are in like deep timber, black spruce, muskeggy, really thick poplars and willows with super low visibility and thick brush, right? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly it. Yeah, so gar- garbage grounds. Yeah, you get some good. You can get some good, uh, good benches with lots of poplars. Open, yeah, and everything's open where you could. You could do a hundred yard shot easy with a rifle. Yeah. But uh I've been trying to more bow hunt them, so I'm trying to get into those nasty spots and where they're gonna be kind of pinch points and they're going through. So lots of the shots I'm setting up on are like honestly twenty yards. You can't you no. can't go wrong with a twenty yard bow shot. No. And that's just it. I love being close and personal with them so yeah i don't know like it's a totally different game i'm not a tree stand guy and it's oh it's tough for me to sit in a tree. i had a self climber last year and i'll never do that again you're so limited. no no that's one of those things that you just pack up and sell yeah you're so limited like i under i could see where they can come in use in the right yeah. situation. Yeah. Rifle hunting, yeah. You know what? They'd probably be sweet. Because you could set way back and you'd be good to go. But yeah, they're they're good for walking in on that on that random one off cut line or Yeah. Any uh I'm trying to think of the word here, but it's not coming to my mind. Um anywhere where whatever. you don't have to be worried about having proper background where you can just climb up any open tree and be fine and not worry about the ton of noise that comes with those things yeah like i fully believe that had a big part of playing and why i didn't see as much last year like they're so loud getting in the tree and i know guys that they swear by them and they shoot deer every year out of them pure luck I must be. <laughs> I I had a I had a self climber once and uh, I used it twice and I almost fell out of it the second time and I said no, no God doesn't want me to die today so I sold it. And I've had anything close to that happen? I've had it where it's fro on a frozen poplar and the teeth slip just the teeth on the seat part when you're climbing they slip just that little bit but. And and it makes you want to go down and change your pants and then try it again. It does, yeah. Yeah. yeah looking, I, I, I like the ones that are, you, you put it up and it's permanent and it's there and you can move it if you want and otherwise it stays. Yeah. I I have a couple of those and I've been, I don't know, I have a 
hard time. I actually have to go get one that's been sitting in a tree for five years already, and I don't even hunt that area anymore. I don't that's even the I one you were going to get last year, but you didn't, right? Yeah. I hope it's still there. I didn't even go in that area. I actually went for a little walk the other day there, just on my way home from work. And I didn't even, I've, oh, I was a long ways away from my stand, but I went in the start. The amount of cameras I found in that area is ridiculous. I don't know if it's just one guy putting cameras in there or five different guys putting cameras in there, but within 300 yards of each other. Wow. The same trail. That that sounds like a, a, a setup that I would do. If it's just one person, though. I get it, seeing where they go off, like where the trails fork off. Yeah, but I've never seen that many cameras in that area in my life. Wow! Usually, when I used to hunt it, I would have two cameras in that whole area of like a couple kilometers, and that was it. Wow! And 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 see, I know guys that'll put. 18 cameras on a quarter. Yeah, I guess. I guess I've never really been that big in the... Well, I'm big in the trail cameras, don't get me wrong, but... Yeah. I guess the way I set them up are different. I usually set my cameras up on licks if I can. Yeah. At like a community spot where you know everything's going to go. Get a, You get a tally of what's, what's in there. See what's all I, there. I tend to like to put... Um, like a camera on on what I think is an entrance and an exit trail, and then any T's, any X's, any pinch points, any crosses, anything like that. Like I'll put uh, one of the quarters I hunt on. I run six cameras in it, and one faces each direction, and then at a trailhead, uh, and anywhere trails might intersect, I might put two in there one going this way, one going that way, because you might see a deer walk in on one side, but then they're not on that other camera because they took a different direction down. So if you have two or three different cameras within, say, 100 yards, you know where they're coming from and you know where they're going. And it's almost, especially the early season deer, the later season's a little harder, but the early season deer are usually pretty consistent. So... If you can see the same three big bucks come in on one trail and not on the other, well, then you know which side you need to check. So I'll, I'll I usually check my, cause I don't have any cell cameras, right? But I'll usually check my cameras every two weeks until September 1st. And then I'll check them September 1st, October 1st, and then a little more repetitive in November if I'm still hunting by then, but. You got to get a cell camera, man. Yeah, I know. I I bought you that one the other day, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe not. They're so much fun. They're addicting. And that's yeah. probably why. That's probably a big issue on why I'm having. I was having a hard time pinpointing is maybe I don't run enough cameras, or strategically wise, like yeah, I think I'm up to ten cameras now. But maybe I got to, when it comes time to when I'm trying to pinpoint that area so 
for like whitetail when i start putting out my whitetail cameras it's usually mid-august or not mid-august sorry mid-october when i start switching over to whitetail right because i'm so busy with elk and moose yeah for that so by, unless I end up getting an elk and a moose early, then I'll like I don't switch over to whitetail. I think what was it last year? I made that mock scrape like just after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was mid October. Yeah. So, and maybe that's what I'm doing. I'm like I was picking one area with and made a mock scrape. Once more scrapes started picking up, I had that one camera on the mock that I kept there all year and it's still yep. there. And then I put another camera that I found a kilometer down on another giant scrape. I think last year I ran, I last year I was hunting four different quarters and each quarter I had four cameras on and that helped me kind of early, early, what are we talking here? Early July. June, July, uh, early July, August, I see deer on one side and then they disappear. And same, same thing happened with ghost. He was always on the same camera and then I never saw him again. And then, um, but by moving those cameras and checking one quarter, the other quarter, the other quarter, that kind of helped me pinpoint which deer I was seeing more. And then I'd focus on that area. I'd still keep my cameras up but I wouldn't check them as frequently. And when I did, I wasn't let down because the deer I was watching weren't there anymore. And then I'd focus on the quarter that was consecutively producing the same deer or bigger deer. And that's how I ended up shooting my deer in 2020, right? Twenty, Yeah, in 2020, because I was focused on three different deer and they just disappeared. And then I started checking the other quarter and then one finally appeared day after day after day after day in the exact same spot. And I figured it's still pretty early. If I don't do it now, I'm going to miss my shot. Right. Yeah. So some, sometimes it's a blessing to have lots of cameras at your disposal. Sometimes it's a curse because it eats up a ton of time. Oh, they do. And it like with me running them on, on licks because i'll run them on licks like as soon as the snow's gone i'm out there and i usually have my generic five that i always set cameras on and then i'll try and pick a new area every year to move to to find something yeah for elk anyways right and they're so spread out like i can't check them all in a day like, out of my 10 that I have, I'm probably a full week checking them all. Yeah. Cause, it, just because they're so spread out. And you got to hike. I got to hike so far to get into them. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, you, you spend an hour checking cameras and then. Other times it's three or four hours and it eats up half a day by the time you're done. Exactly. Or you get, you're in there and like lots of the spots I go into all the time. And I always find something new every time I go in. It's like, whoa, I didn't realize this trail was here. Or 
hey, the elk started using this trail more instead of that trail. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's walk this trail and just see what I can find. And then next thing you know, it's getting dark. You're like, oh, I better get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last thing you want to do is start paying for a babysitter just so you can go check cameras, which I've done before. But <laughs> I only do it on days off. Yeah, I don't get those. That might be why Larissa wants me to get an interview so bad. Because I don't have service where I go. Oh, okay. And I don't know how many times I've showed up after dark. And she's I get into service and I got a bunch of messages. Are you okay? Is everything all good? And it's like, call me as soon as you get in service. I'll call her. Oh, no, it's all good. I just got distracted. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not... That's probably why she wants me to get an injury so bad. There, not, not to mention all the grizzlies out here, too. Probably wouldn't hurt to buy one, buddy. No, I'm getting one. They're especially not super expensive. For, especially for doing our sheep hunt this year. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get the injury. one up here pretty quick. So. What's that? I'm picking one up here pretty quick, so hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to get the Explorer Pro- Explorer Plus. Yeah, that's the one I'm getting. Yeah, so it has a GPS and everything on it. Yeah. So that way, if your phone does die, you still... You you still still got something. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's... uh, We're at 53 minutes there, so we should probably cut her off. I got to get back building some reeds here, and I'm sure you got lots... On your plate, you got to get going on. Yeah, sounds good. I uh, Sounds like I might have to go back to daddy duty so the wife can get some sleep here. So Awesome, buddy. Well, okay, thanks man. again for tuning in to episode six. And we will see you guys on the next one. Stay tuned for episode seven. All right. Have a good one, buddy. You too, man. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Antler Archives, brought to you by Cliff Creek Coffee, White Rock Performance Gear, Wapiti River Outdoors, and Monster Attraction Minerals.